All right, Alexander, let's uh, revisit the Russian economy because the Russian economy is booming, I guess you could say. Uh, the European Union, they ran their forecasts and they say the Russian economy will grow at around 2.5%, I think they said. Um, we've heard over 3% from, I think, mostly from, from Russian uh, uh, sources. And uh, Putin was speaking the other day at a cultural event in uh, St. Petersburg, and he said for November, uh, Russia's looking at 5.5% uh, growth. And, and I have to say, Putin was very confident, very relaxed, very confident about the Russian economy. So, uh, you know, you, you've, been, you've been following the Russian economy very closely. We've been talking about the Russian economy, it seems, for years. And uh, I just want to quickly say that when, uh, when all of this started, the, the, the conflict, the SMO, the, all the analysts were, were saying that the Russian economy will collapse. And that was the aim. And uh, you were saying, and we were saying, and people can go back and see those shows from January, February, March, that uh, no, the Russian economy is not going to collapse. It's much stronger than uh, people realize. But um, I think even we're surprised yes. at yes. how resilient the yes. economy, the Russian economy has been. Yes, I, I think people... Maybe even Putin's surprised. Maybe even yes. Putin's surprised. Sorry. Well, yeah. well he, he has acknowledged as much. But, you know, talking about pessimistic forecasts, I mean, last, uh, at the start of this year, the European Union, the European Commission, was predicting a 1% a, a contraction in the economy, the Russian economy this year. Um, it now definitely looks as if we're going to get a 3% expansion. Um, and as you absolutely rightly say, this is in fact not reflective of the immediate day of the, of the most recent data. The last couple of months, it's been running. The Russian economy has been running with a growth rate of over five percent, over five percent. So, and um, what is very interesting is that it is doing that despite the central bank having raised interest rates. I mean, interest rates in Russia have doubled. But despite that, the economy still appears to have an enormous amount of forward momentum. Um, apparently, um, uh, consumer spending has increased, demand has increased. But the big story, the underlying reason why there is this huge increase in um, growth is of an investment boom. There's an enormous surge in investment as Russian industry moves rapidly to fill the gaps left by the Western powers when they pulled their businesses out and when they started to impose um, um, sanctions. And you, you're seeing this in sector after sector. Perhaps the single most impressive, the most interesting is machine building, where we're now looking at double digit growth rates in some particular sectors of the machine building, uh, machine tool complex. I mean, production increase of around 50% apparently this year. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it is a huge industrial uh, manufacturing surge and probably things will slow as the effect of the interest rates um, starts to, uh, you know, put the brake on. And that is what the Russian government and the central bank want because this 
investment surge is leading to signs of overheating. There shortages of workers. We've talked about this. That's pushed up wages. The wages have in turn increased demand. The demand is spurring further investment and further in output increases. It also means that this year, real living standards in Russia have grown, but it's also translating into higher prices for goods because um, at the end of the day, uh, goods um, can you can only produce them after a certain time lag, even if you do invest more, and the demand for them is greater. And inflation may not be a problem for those who are in employment in the economy, given the fact that real wages are rising, but it is a problem for those who are on fixed incomes, people like pensioners, for example. So, you know, the government is concerned about that, and it wants things to slow down and rebalance. But nobody doubts that that is going to happen. No one doubts also that we're going to see sustained growth beyond this process. Uh, nobody is under any uh, believes that um, industrial growth is going to fall off or reverse. And this is becoming the consensus. And it's also becoming the consensus now amongst Western commentators. We've had a piece on Bloomberg about this, which has been uh, um, you know, describing the realities of this Russian economic boom. And it is the diametric opposite, as you correctly say, of what Western economists and analysts and governments were predicting. Um, last year, when the sanctions were imposed, they were anticipating a 20% contraction. <laughs> Today, the Russian economy is bigger probably by a significant margin bigger, by the way, despite Bloomberg trying to argue the contrary. But today, the Russian economy is probably bigger than it was before the sanctions were imposed. And that's probably set to continue and to and accelerate even further. And uh, uh, they've also had a good harvest. Uh, grain production has been slightly down on last year because weather conditions have been less than optimal for grain production, but in every other food sector, uh, food production continues to grow as well. So agriculture is doing well. Industry is doing very well. Um, wage earners are seeing their living standards improve. Young families, people with children, they're seeing their conditions of life improve. I wouldn't be surprised if before long we start to see an increase in the birth rate on the back of this. And on top of all of that, if you remember, at the start of last year, we had to do a whole series of programs about it, flesh creeping stories about the budget going into massive deficit, uh, uh, you know, and you know, we, we Russia running out of money and all of that. Well, all that's evaporated away. Uh, the budget, um, well, there's, there's, it probably will run a small deficit this sure. year, but. The, but it could even be a surplus. So the rate things are going. I, I've surprised. read a surplus. Yeah, yeah. I, I read, I, I've, I've read the, some battles who says surplus. Yeah. Currently, it is running a surplus. So I mean, all all of that, all of I mean, we 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 uh, poured cold water over all of that. We poured cold water over all the stories about the ruble collapsing and all of that as well. And we could see that you know our assessments have proved to be more accurate than I think everybody else is. I mean, I remember there was a professor at Yale, for example, last year who was saying it was all smoke and mirrors, <laughs> the Russian economy was hollowed out, that 
Um, there was all, the statistics were all fake. I don't think anybody says that anymore. So how would you put this into context, given this? Um, Lavrov has called it a hybrid war against Russia. That's Lavrov's words. How would you put the, the economic, uh, let's just call it the economic war that has been waged uh, towards Russia into context of, of this hybrid war? Is it not probably the most important part of the collective West's attack towards Russia, sinking the economy, getting people out on the, on the streets and removing uh, Putin. I mean, I, I would say that, you know, we, we put a lot of emphasis on, on the actual war, the conflict in Ukraine on the front lines, and we talk about that a lot. But I think the central pillar of, of the West's strategy towards Russia over the past couple of years has been to get this regime change. And the most important uh, part of that, uh, of that strategy was getting the sanctions and trying to sink uh, the Russian economy. I mean, this is the, the major defeat absolutely. in this hybrid war for the, yeah. for the collective West. Yeah, absolutely. Can I just say that is absolutely the case. And if you look at all those articles that we were talking about, the magical thinking article in the Wall Street Journal, the one that Richard Haas has just written in Foreign Affairs, an article that appeared yesterday in the London Times by Mark Galliotti, the, the thing that they're all talking about is that Putin remains in control. His position is stronger than ever. And that um, so when they talk like that, they're giving it away because they're basically admitting, they're acknowledging that the entire objective, the whole expectation was that the sanctions and the war and all that, all that would trigger protests and crisis, political internal crisis in Russia, and that would lead to a regime change. I mean, you, you, you can see it now, even in these articles that are now acknowledging that that won't happen. Why do they have to acknowledge that it won't happen unless it was what people were expecting and intending should happen? So they're essentially admitting that the key thing that they try to do has not happened and that it has failed. And as for the surge, the, the way in which the Russian economy has responded to this crisis may un, be under no doubt about it. It is the single biggest geopolitical fact of the last two years. I mean, the, the West has thrown every single sanctions tool it has at Russia. I mean, it's now sanctioning everything that they can sanction where Russia is concerned. They're now trying to go after people who operate the shadow fleet. You remember all that? You know, we had articles now in the Financial Times furiously saying the oil, no Russian oil, practically no Russian oil sells below the price gap. If we said the price gap would fail, it's <laughs> a surprise, surprise. It has completely failed. And, you know, they're now angry about that. They're angry about all of these things. But that is the single biggest political, geopolitical fact of the last two years, that Russia has not only withstood the sanctions storm, but is, but is thriving, thriving, not in spite of it, but because of it. it it's actually uh, the sanctions 
I mean, Michael Hudson, actually, uh, we did a program, Glenn Deason and I, on the Duran, which he was talking about this. He said, that's the best thing they could have done to the Russians. He posed this, you know, these, these, this system, which is a kind of prote protectionist system on the Russian economy, which is exactly what it needed. We have the stimulus that uh, war spending, which people, the scale of that people are exaggerating, by the way, but the stimulus that the war spending has provided is causing the entire economy to surge, just as happened with the United States during the Second World War, just as happened perhaps more, um, a, a better analogy still, might be with Japan in the 1950s during the Korean War, when again the Japanese economy went on a massive, uh, uh, you know, suddenly cranked up a huge gear because the Korean War triggered extra spending in Japan. And because at that time, because of high inflation and all kinds of things like that in Japan, it effectively the, the, the economy was in effect protected from outside competition. So we see all of this now, now starting to play out in Russia. And countries around the world are noticing. And then Russian prestige as a result is increasing. It's uh, why countries in Africa and Latin America and all, the, all these sort of places in the global south, the ASEAN states, they all want to, or the Arab states, they all want to have dealings with the Russians because they can see that the Russians are not only a success, but a growing success, who have withstood successfully the pressure of the West. Sanctions, it turns out, aren't quite the killer thing that everybody thought they would be. That's huge. And that's huge. That's a no. huge statement because the sanctions weapon was the go-to weapon for uh, for the United States. Yes. And the EU. The uh, EU is, is starting to use sanctions or was starting to use sanctions more frequently. Yes. I mean, sanctions was their go-to weapon. And now uh, that weapon has been has been proven to, to be ineffective, at least to an economy like uh, like Russia, and so yeah, they, they they've also destroyed their own economies. They've uh, they destroyed they've destroyed the monopoly of SWIFT. Uh, so many uh, Western businesses that were in Russia that built the market over many many decades uh, left the market, and they left a huge opening for competition. Uh, their the the collective West's financial reputation has been destroyed. I mean, no, you know, I, I joke around. I joke around sometimes, and I say that. That Russia, the Russians are going to build statues in Moscow for for Ursula and for Joseph Burrell. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. of of the gift that they've that they've given uh, Russia with with their twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth sanctions packages. Absolutely correct. That is exactly what's going to happen. I mean, bear in mind. Well, I mean, I, I, I well, I mean, it's it's a, it's a joke, but I mean, it's a joke. It's, a joke, it's yeah. a joke. But economists are saying this. I mean, you know, I go back to Michael Hudson. He said this is the best thing. That they could that they could have done to them. He's not alone in this. I mean, uh, uh, Joseph Galbraith recently said something similar, um, and others are increasingly coming round to the to that view. Right? I mean, Hudson and Galbraith are perhaps on the sort of left wing left wing side of economics, but Bloomberg isn't, and uh, you know they're they're absolutely you know ha uh, mainstream, um, and we can see that even they're acknowledging that things have turned out otherwise from what people thought. 
And when you actually scramble and look at the explanations, it's not difficult to see why. All right, we will end it there. The Duran.locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, Rockfin, Telegram, and Twitter X. And go to the Duran shop, 20% off. Use the code the Duran20. Take care.